television is where all the big risks are being taken, where the most exciting work is happening. And this is a festival that celebrates that. Finally, there's an independent avenue for people who want to just go into the TV business. It's just wonderful to have an outlet for all of the creativity that's happening in television and in new digital media right now. The fact that there's this, there's Series Fest, which allows you to put it in front of an audience and gives you a platform to put it out there. Like that's the most impactful thing as artists that we can ever hope for. Hi, I'm Randy Kleiner. And I'm Kaylee Smith-Westbrook. As the co-founders of Series Fest, we welcome you to Breaking In, a Series Fest podcast. In 2015, Series Fest began its mission to champion and empower artists at the forefront of episodic storytelling by providing year-round opportunities for creators and industry experts to connect, collaborate, and share stories. We are thrilled to expand our mission with this podcast as we talk to working professionals in television and gain insight, advice, and hear their journey of breaking in. Today's episode is a live recording of one of our Series Fest Insiders events hosted back in April 2020. During this event, I sat down with showrunner and executive producer Krista Vernoff to discuss her career in episode 310 of the Grey's Anatomy spinoff, Station 19. Krista was head writer and executive producer of Grey's Anatomy for the first seven seasons and returned as showrunner in season 14. She is currently the showrunner and executive producer of both Grey's Anatomy and Station 19. Most recently, she created and served as showrunner for the ABC series Rebel. Prior to that, Krista served as a writer and executive producer of Showtime's Shameless for five seasons and has written for a broad variety of television shows, including NBC's Law & Order, CW's Charmed, and Fox's short-lived cult phenomenon, Wonderfalls. As an executive producer, she's been nominated twice for an Emmy for Outstanding Drama Series for Grey's Anatomy. And in 2005, Krista won a Writers Guild of America Award, as well as a Golden Globe for Best New Television Series, and was nominated for an Emmy for Outstanding Writing for a Drama Series for her episode of Grey's Anatomy's Into You Like a Train. Towards the end of our event, actor Jay Hayden popped in to talk to us about his experience playing Travis on Station 19. Well known from his role on the Hulu dramedy series Battleground, Jay has recurred on the CBS series SEAL Team and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend for the CW, and he was a series regular on the ABC series The Catch. Hi, Krista. Hi, <laughs> nice to see you. Nice to see you. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm so happy to do it. I love Station 19 and I love this episode and I'm so happy to support Series Fest. Well, I saw on, on Twitter and Instagram that you were um, loving Mary Neely's posts. Oh my and God. I watched your Instagram live with her the other day. Yeah, uh, I love her so much. I was just a fangirl. I was so excited that she would talk to me. <laughs> uh, for those of you who don't know, Mary Neely has been doing these posts where she takes these musicals um, and she plays all the parts and lip syncs and it's incredible, but you were saying that you love them so much because you were a theater kid. So I was wondering, you know, have you known your whole life that you wanted to be in this industry? Did you, did you always see this path for yourself and how, how did you end up writing and becoming a showrunner? Oh, I, I well, yes and no. I was an act, I was an actor. I went to college. Um, my, I have a 
Bachelor of Fine Arts in Acting. And I was an actor uh, and a waitress until I was in my late 20s. Um, I figured out that I loved writing while I was still in college, but I, I listened to all the people who loved me, who told me that, you know, I took a playwriting class my senior year of college, and I felt gratified when, when we produced the play in, in a completely different way than I ever felt when I was acting. It felt like I discovered something. It felt like I, I had come to life. And uh, and I, so I, I was like 21 years old and I was like, I'm quitting acting. I'm going to be a writer. And everyone who loved me told me that I was clearly just afraid to go out in the world and try to be an actor. Cause I was about to graduate and I went to Boston university. It was a really great, uh, acting program. And it was really hard to graduate from it. Like there were talent-based cuts every semester. And we'd started with 60 students. We were graduating only 16 of us. And suddenly to decide your senior year that like your whole education is not what you want to do and you want to do this other thing. People thought it was a fear-based decision. And I listened to those people for a long time. So, um, so I, I kept writing like a hobby, but pursued acting as a career. And it wasn't until I had made my living acting in regional theater for a year that I gave myself permission to quit acting. I might be the only person who was ever pressured by her whole family not to quit acting. <laughs> but um, it's, it's, I've been reading Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed, which is amazing and I recommend it to everybody. And, and she, one of the things she talks about is trusting your own knowing. And I didn't have the self-esteem yet to trust my own knowing when I was 21. And so finally, when I felt like I had met some set of prescribed parameters, I gave myself permission to do the thing that I knew I wanted to do and that was easier for me and felt better to me. And I, I moved to LA to pursue television writing because I took one screenwriting class at the new school when I was waiting tables in New York and the teacher whose name I wish I could remember uh, told me that I had an ear for dialogue like a television writer that I was that that I could really be a television writer even more than a screenwriter because I thought in dialogue because I grew up in theater my whole education was in theater and television is more similar to plays than it is to movies right and That's so the answer, sorry. <laughs> no, no, I mean, it's a beautiful answer. I, you know, I love that. And I'm sure so many people, and I know our community are a lot of creators and a lot of them are actually multi-hyphenists. They're actors, writers, directors that submit their pilots and they do multiple things. And um, so I'm sure a lot of people are inspired by by that to know, to you know, to follow your, your knowing. And it's funny, I have Untamed sitting next to my bed right now and I haven't opened it yet. So oh God. I just have to do it. It's amazing. And if I can offer some advice based on what you just yeah. said, you want some unsolicited advice for, for the multi-hyphenates? We would love it. We would all love it. <laughs> um, I really believe that it's great to be a multi-hyphenate, but the way that you break in is by picking one thing and focusing on it. So even if you're writing, directing, producing, and starring in your own short film, pick a thing that you think is your primary love. Like what is the thing when you sit still, you're like, I couldn't live without, like I, I light up most at, I feel the most relaxed when, mm -hmm. um, for me it's writing. And, um, and I have recently 
begun directing and I have never act, I have never acted again since I quit acting, uh, except at the ta- sometimes at the table reads, I take a guest star role. Uh, but, but pick the thing and pursue that path with your whole heart. Like, like when you send in your short film, are you a director primarily? Then don't try to sell yourself also as an actor and don't try to also promote the writing. I, I, I think that when you pick a path and you put all of your energy into that one path, it's easier to get in and it's, and then you hyphenate. Hmm. It's an energy, it's almost an energy thing. And, and listen, this, this was the advice I gave myself and it, it worked for me and things may have changed a little bit because in the 20 years since I've begun working in Hollywood, technology has changed. So it's easy for you guys to be multi-hyphenate simultaneously. Um, but I still think that breaking in as one thing and then diversifying is the easier. What I've noticed is, is that if people go like, I'm a writer, actor, director, there's a feeling in in the receiving of that almost like you don't you you haven't picked a thing. Mm. Yeah. Almost like it's flaky and it's not, and I'm not saying that it is, but yeah. I've watched people have that reaction of like, okay, whereas if somebody approaches uh with I'm I am an aspiring hour-long television writer, mm. I have written seven writing samples in that area. I feel like they've done the work to be co- to build up expertise in one area. Right. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. So when, so you moved out to LA, you started writing, how did you um, come to start writing on Grey's and get, start working with Shondaland? Um, I had been writing television for five or six years when I, um, when I went out, there's a thing called uh, staffing season, which is like pilot season for actors, uh, where it's the season when all the pilots are looking for writers. So you go on a whole bunch of job interviews before you even know if the pilot has been picked up to series. And you hope to be on their hire list when their pilot gets ordered to series. So it's 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 um it's a lot, it's exhausting because you read 80 pilots and you try to get the meetings and then you drive around to all the meetings and you try to impress. And I went out that season, um, I read all the pilots and I called my agent and I said, um, I, I need a meeting with this Shonda Rhimes person because her voice is so similar to mine. And one of the keys to success in television writing is being able to um, set aside your own voice and write in the voice of the creator which is, I think this is the only, one of the, uh, sometimes if with a magazine, you have to write in a, the voice of the magazine, but really it's, I think, unique to television that you're really trying to not write in your own voice. You're trying to write in someone else's voice. Right. Does that make sense? So, yeah. uh, so I had not been very successful at Wonder Falls because not every good show can, not every good writer can write every show. It's like, you could be a great writer, but fail to channel the voice of that creator. So I was on a show called Wonder Falls, which was wonderful, but I was rewritten page one every time. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't get Brian Fuller's voice. It was too different from mine. So I went into staffing season looking for a voice that was naturally closer to mine. And I pursued the meeting with Shonda. And my agent said, um, that show doesn't have any heat. Patrick Dempsey is a pilot killer. Uh, <laughs> don't waste your time. No. like... And he had, I mean, he was right at the time. Patrick Dempsey was a pilot killer. He'd done a whole bunch of pilots that hadn't gone to series, 
But I was like, I got to meet this writer because I, because her voice feels like mine and I want to meet her. I feel like we're sisters. <laughs> like I wanted to meet her. So I went and, um, and this is my memory of the first time I met Shonda. I was sitting in the waiting area, uh, talking to her assistant about American Idol. The first season of American Idol, Tamira Kelly Clarkson was on and, and we started chatting about American Idol. And I hear from inside the main office, where there's like a break between job interviews. Don't talk about that without me. <laughs> Shonda had like a blog or whatever was the technology at the time. Shonda and her sister were like every week talking about it. They were obsessed with American Idol. So I went in and we talked about American Idol for 45 minutes. And I left. Like that was my job interview. But that's often the job interview in TV is if you've got the meeting, they've already read your writing. So right. the job is, is this a person I want to hang out with for mm. 40, 50, 60 hours a week for the right. next 10 months? And so Shonda and I hit it off and, uh, and she hired me and, and that was, you know, and then her pilot got, her pilot got picked up and she hired me and I went and, and I was there and, and because my voice was so similar to hers, I rose very quickly to her sort of right hand and, um, and I was there for the first seven seasons. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and now you're back and doing Grey's and Station 18. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, when do you sleep? Um, I want to take some questions from the audience. In regards to Station 19, how do you get all your ideas from the storylines you write? And what is the moment in Station 19 you enjoy to write the most? Okay. I have just an incredible team of writers who surround me at Station 19. So... Uh, the all the ideas come from conversations in the writers' room. We we sit around and we tell stories from our lives and we talk about things we've read in the newspaper, uh, real life first responder stuff. Or Kylie Donovan, who's my number two at Station 19, comes from a family of firefighters. She'll tell stories that her cousins have told her. We they our ideas come from. It's a really diverse group of people from. Uh, really interesting eclectic backgrounds and everyone brings like different life experience and they pitch and we build the show from there. And um, honestly, my favorite thing I've written for this season for this show was episode 310, which you all just watched. And my, I, my really, my favorite act to write was the Travis act. Mm -hmm. um, the, the helping, trying to help Travis understand that he's brave. I feel like there are so many of us in the world who are brave or extraordinary in some way. And we subvert or disbelieve, like we'd rather believe that someone else is weak than that we're strong. So that message felt really important. And I loved doing it through Travis. Uh, someone asked this question and now I can't find it, but it was a question of mine as well. Um, how do you do all of the crossovers and run two rooms at once and is it like one big room and then it splits off like that opening of season three the crossover that you did like I just can't even imagine I'd love to hear how how you do that and run your room so there okay there's two writers rooms they're they're right across the courtyard from each other um I go back and forth uh it sort of 
um, a morning at the Gray's Anatomy room and an afternoon at the Station 19 room in the early part of the season. There's one writer who I mentioned, Kylie Donovan, who come, who's on both shows. So she comes back and forth with me, thank God, because I don't re wouldn't remember. She's like the other half of my memory of, we talked about this at Gray's, we talked about that at Gray's, how could it work over here? Oh, there's this pitch at Station 19, could that work over here? I can't remember who pitched. I wish I could shout out the writer who pitched the car through the wall at, at Joe's. It wasn't me, <laughs> but man, was that a great, it was great. It is super crazy. Um, it is super crazy, particularly this past season. Station 19 was a mid season show, but it started shooting right around the same time that Gray's was shooting. So that episode 301 of Station 19 was shooting at the same time as 1602 of Grey's Anatomy. Oh, my God. So we had to, the amount of tracking to try to make everything consistent between those two hours, which shot months apart, like it was... It was a massive feat of, a, of hundreds of people. You know, the designers working with each other, the writers working with each other, the actors calling and going like, I, I'm, I, what, for example, Barrett, ha, Barrett had to call me and Jesse, when they were shooting um, 301 of Station 19, they were still shooting 1602 of Grays. So they were calling and going like, what has happened on Grey's Anatomy between 1602 and 1610? Like, where have our, what are, what are we talking about? Like, they haven't seen any of those scripts or played any of those scenes. It was all shot out of order. Uh, it was, it was unbelievably difficult. And I, I, I was so proud of what we managed. There were a couple of mistakes, but con all things considered, I, I think we pulled it off pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was incredible. I was, I was, you know, watching and was like at the edge of my seat. It was intense and amazing and really incredible how you constantly do the crossovers all season. And um, I look at like a character like uh, Chantra Wilson's Bailey. You started writing her, but sixteen years ago. And how, how does that feel to continue her voice not only on Grace but now bringing it over into this world? What, what is it like writing a character for that long? Chandra is a, is amazing. She's an extraordinary talent. And Bailey is a joy to write all these years later. And she's the same character on both shows. But interestingly, she's like the boss at Grey's Anatomy. And at Station 19, she's the wife. It, it's a really unique, uh, you know, we, we function a little differently at work than we do at home. We function a little differently in all of our dynamics. So that's what's amazing to me when I watch what Chandra's doing on Station 19. It's not only in the writing, she actually is playing a slightly softer, mm. she's playing Ben's wife who worries about him. He doesn't have to boss anyone around over here. Mm. You know? So, hi Jay Hayden. Hi Krista. <laughs> How are you? Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Uh, so, so what's up? Did you meet Katie? We actually, we go, we go way back to, to 2008. We worked together in 2008. So I've loved watching his career blossom and it's, it's so fun to see him and reconnect. Uh, when we found out we were doing this, I shot him a message and it was like, please come do this with us. So oh gosh, yeah. 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 So, um, but we were actually talking before you hopped on Jay, just about, 
the episode and, and Travis and Krista was saying how much she, how that was her favorite part of writing this episode, that moment about bravery. Uh, for you, what was it like after playing this character for three seasons and all of a sudden learning why you became a firefighter and having so much revealed and, you know, uh, it was such a vulnerable and beautiful performance. So I'd love to hear from you about what that experience was like. Well, thank you. And it was, I mean, I was super lucky and blessed that I got to like part of my character's backstory, like the, the juicy part that you always want as an actor was written by my showrunner. So I was super duper lucky in that respect. But I think every actor loves that moment where you get to find out what makes the character tick. And I remember when I first met Krista, she was like, I'm going to have you come in. I want you to sit down with me and the writers and we just want to get to know you. We want to see who you are, what makes you tick, where you're from, what your essence is. And then after I left that day and said all the things, she kind of walked me out, put a hand on her on my back and she's like, so that's what I want to figure out about Travis this year. I want to figure out who he is. Right. And I was like, Oh my God, I love this woman. <laughs> oh um, so it was great. And that, you know, that's like one of those moments where you get to find out, what motivates him, what influences him, what, you know, what urges him on. So it, it was, uh, it was an amazing experience for me. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so beautifully acted. So beautifully oh. played. Thank you. The, I mean, it's, you're not all, you know, a lot of times we have to be flexible as actors, right? Cause things change and you know, we gotta, you're gonna, we're not gonna always know the complete length of where our characters came from. You know, you, you play an idea, and you know your showrunner will be like, "This is what I'm thinking, blah blah blah." It's not nothing's ever set in stone, but just play, and then we'll figure it out when we need to figure it out. So, like when when you're when you're given the information, it was it was so it was so beautifully written. Thank you, Krista, and it was so easy. It was just so easy. It just you you know it, when you don't have to work hard and you just kind of let the words come through you, then then you know you're kind of in the pocket. So it's... You know, that's how I feel about that whole script. I, I think you know that I wrote that script on an airplane from New York to LA. Yeah. And it just, it was like, <laughs> it was like we say, it, it was like, we say in therapy, like, oh, it only took, you know, 45 years and this hour to do. But it felt like it took me 25 years of therapy and six hours on an airplane to write that episode. Like it just, um, it was like it came through me, it was easy, and you all made it so easy. It was so beautiful, and and let me tell you, uh, the the willingness that Jay had to 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 put on the drag, but like the Rocky Horror Picture Show drag, he was like, "We're doing this. We're going all out, Krista. I'm we're doing fishnets." I'm going, I was like, I was yeah, like yeah. because I'm so proud of that. I have a foster son who's twenty. How old is kind of now? Twenty four maybe now and uh he he's a drag queen he's he's come he's become a drag queen his, his name is high-waisted gene oh, yeah, <laughs> um and i've been so proud of him he it's he's so beautiful she's so beautiful and he's so beautiful and and as i was writing that i was aware that um you never see uh, a man in drag be a hero on television. Mm. There's it's they're always a victim. They're always being mocked or tortured or beat up. And the idea of putting a man in full drag and having him shoulder through a door and wrestle a domestic violence, you know, assaulter to the ground was like really 
sincerely, one of my favorite things I've written in and that been brought to life by an actor in my 20 year career. That was fun. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, it wasn't so fun running, sprinting in heels, but the experience altogether was fun. You were amazing. It was amazing. And I think it probably affected some lives to see themselves depicted as heroes. Yeah. I, you know, people reached out to me uh, on social media and it, it made me, it made me feel good. Like that some people felt related to people felt like, there was a, their story was being told in a way, and uh, and that made me feel like that made me feel like a storyteller. That made me feel like I'm doing my job. I love it. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, we have a question for you, Jay, from someone on YouTube, and she wants to know what's your favorite Travis moment so far. Um, I know we've been talking about this moment. If it if it was this, maybe something else that you that you've loved. Um, I I really felt like, to be honest, uh, you know. Th- a lot of times, you know, you struggle growing up with your parents and like they have ideology and beliefs and and the way that and expectations of how you should grow up and what you should believe in. And they don't line up. Uh, and so a lot of times there's conflict. And and I felt like uh, the episode where we did, which was Ice Ice Baby, where I talked to the woman, uh, Travis talks to the woman on the phone and she's very religious and he had kind of has that moment where he he knows about being religious because he was raised that way. And though he's not in that space right now, he kind of goes there for her as as she's going out. And uh, I thought that was a really beautiful moment. And that meant something to me personally, because, you know, my parents have beliefs. I have my beliefs and never the two shall meet. But there's a, a love there, like a reach across kind of that that was special to me personally. It was so beautiful. That episode was pitched in the room, I think initially by Sinke Henderson and written by mm. Rob Giles and directed so beautifully by Tessa Blake. It was really all of the artists and, and Jay and Felicia Rashad, who oh, yeah. voiced the woman on the phone, Pilar. The whole thing was, I was really, I was so moved by that episode too. Someone had asked, what are you looking forward to in season four? Well, uh, <laughs> you know, every, I'm looking forward to airing the last three seasons. There's still are three episodes. There's still three more episodes of Station 19 season three that have not yet aired. They will air beginning next week. Um, and uh, and in season four, I'm just excited that we get to do a season four. And- <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I'm looking forward to, I'm hoping that we won't be shooting uh, as out, like I'm, I'm hoping that the, the job of doing the two shows will, will get easier in terms of the timeline for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm looking forward to having Jay on Grey's Anatomy at some point in season four. I would love to. <laughs> <laughs> I, this is a joke because three times I put him in the episodes this year and then cut him out because the script was too long or the story changed. And Listen, like, it's going to be great when it happens. We're building, we're building the fans anticipation of it. Yeah. I'm, I'm just looking forward to continuing these stories. I, I feel like I, I imagine we're going to have to integrate COVID somehow into our storytelling. And mm. what is it to, be a first, res- first responders are 
wow, like ne- it's like they're always heroes and it's next level right now. And I, I think that, you know, I'm going to gather the writers for both shows in a few weeks and we're going to start talking about season 17 and season four. So mm. I don't have a better answer right now because those writers I, are everything to me. <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense. I, I understand. Yeah. Thank you both so much for, for talking with us and Christopher for your advice. I know our community of creators really appreciated that and um, Jay for popping in. Thank nice you. to see you both. Good Thank seeing you. Thank you for tuning in for today's episode. SeriesFest is a nonprofit organization, and our work would not be possible without our incredible board of directors, staff, and partners who make programs like this podcast possible. We have ongoing competitions, initiatives, and mentorship programs year-round, so please check us out at SeriesFest.com and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to stay up-to-date on announcements. This episode was edited by Neil Trulio with original music by Adam Westbrook.